No, bring this bring this round. Yep, that's it. Okay, this thing's not a. Uh, it's on, but there's no picture. No feed or whatever. Alright, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, Wa la'aqibatul muttaqeen, Wa la'adhwana illa ala dhalimeen, Wa salawatullahi wa salamuhu, Ala ashraf al-anbiya'i wa al-mursaleen, Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in, Allahumma la sahla illa ma ja'altaw sahla, Wa anta tajul al-hazna, Iza shi'ta sahla, Allahumma a'inna ala dhikrika, Wa shukrika wa husna ibadatik, Ya Rabbil Kareem. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Back, back in my day, when we used to do graffiti on the old uh, masjid uh, Quran table, used to be some quality behavior and whatever. I don't know what, what I don't know what this is. It's like someone's done them like a a plate of cereal and a and a, and a spoon. <laughs> you know what it is? I don't think any they can get away with it so so much now. Or maybe actually they're not even that bored anymore. They want their phones, innit? What's the little yani, rats yani, reading Quran like that? They're going. I guarantee it. And in fact, they probably got the mushaf open with the, the phone inside. They're doing that behavior, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it is. And they see more of looking, they just go. Uh, and there's even, not even any need to say anything, just go uh, louder. Uh, because, you know, because they know Mulbi can't hear the words, you just want to see some action. Uh, and whereas in my day, obviously, we were bored silly, and yani. we were writing, drawing. It's good to see LP royalty back. <laughs> you should take more absence like that. Yeah, yeah. We like it when people take. We like it when people. Uh, as long as it keeps making you feel guilty and they keep, uh, yani, keep yani, you know, assaging your conscience with Ferrero Rocher. Well, no, I don't think so. I don't think that's a pronunciation of the, of the U. Really? Did you honestly actually, you believed it, you said assuaging. I swear you believed it. Okay, he actually said assuaging. Listen, come on, man. No. He did. We're not going to take your side. It's recorded. It's recorded. He goes assuaging. Yeah, said, and I said, come on. He goes, no, 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 I'm only joking. Yeah, you. First time you've all heard the word, man. <laughs> <laughs> only you, bubs. <laughs> only you, bubs. Don't bring all Manchester down yet. I don't mind you bringing Longside down, but don't bring the rest of us down, bro. Right, okay, folks. What's the score? What's the latest news? Bismillah. Bismillah. Oh, chocolate. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what it is? I have to say that if it's an Isha gig, yeah, I don't understand the whole wisdom of waiting until 10.30 at night time. Do you know what I mean? Some people haven't even had dinner. Do you know what I mean? So uh, I think, uh, you know, I say Bismillah. You know what I mean? And the people online, they understand all that now. You know what I mean? They recognize that it's all just tea.
Really? Right. She's turned it into proper like haram behavior, you know? She's like, like, you know, although I have to say that we, back in the good old days, we used to do that kind of behavior in Marcus Bukhari. Right. Okay. So you see, the problem here is you lot are going to get greedy here. And, you know, mashallah is a serious turnout today. So let me just answer. Guys, just wait one minute. Okay, this is important business now. You're going to have to give chocolate. Yeah, there's not enough. There's not enough. There's not enough. There's, there's not enough. Yeah, good shout. Yes. Points means prizes. Huh? What have we got here? Timbits, yeah. Timbits is a coffee, tea thing, whatever, whatnot. Is this that coffee stuff with no sugar, nothing, yeah? It's Saudi coffee. With sugar? Yeah, Saudi coffee, that bit of stuff that you've got to stuff your mouth full of, yeah, and every sweet possible. Huh? There's some dates as well. Yeah, the whole stick your date in the mouth and keep it in the corner of your mouth, stick your hand in the thing and, and keep, keep swishing across to try and grab a little bit of thingy. I don't know what happened to the Arabs in what they understand. Just take the thing out and stick it in your damn flipping coffee, man. Why are you doing the whole experience in our mouth? Uh, really? Yeah, Bob's grab the coffee, yara. Islam, at least give him some benefit of being here, yara. He, 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 he's, he's really up for it. All right. Uh, Zafar, let's, uh, let's uh, have some questions. All right. Anyone? Hamza, don't hate, man. Come on, man. Why, why, why is everyone hating? Mesa, why are you hating? You know, Mesa, if you were sitting here, name, if you were sitting here, Hamza, if you were sitting here, you'd be wanting chocolate to be given out. Don't be hating, okay? I don't like the hate. Uh, Mahboub, is that you from Sweden, yeah? Uh, all right. Let's do questions. If you get it right, you get the chocolate. You get it wrong, I get the chocolate. Is that right? Why is that wrong? How, how is that wrong on any level? Yeah, but that's because I own the chocolates. So I want to know, is that gambling? Come on. Oof. See now, the situation has changed now. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Halal, yeah. Now I'm serious question by the way. You see, that's that's how we do our deen. Deen is even in our chocolates. Shazad can't participate. Uh, you can't participate. Oh, the other Shazad, Doctor Shazad. Okay, question online. Everyone, question for everybody. Is it permissible to partake in a game where if you answer the chocolate, you get it. If you don't answer the chocolate, you don't get it. Is it permissible? Why? <laughs> Come then, Sweden. Tell us. Is that permissible, Mahboub? MashaAllah, Tabarakallah. Allahumma barik ya Rabb. Oh. What a fitna. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That one. The fizzy one. Really? It's all over, yeah? Shell or tea, okay. Hold on, I'm just losing because we've got to do a lesson, okay? I, I, I'm, a, I'm a socially responsible kind of guy, right? I need to focus. I just need to first know what's happening here. Is the answer, come on, this is logical progression. Answer me the question. Is it permissible for you to get involved in a... So I'm giving you the, I told you I asked the first question, don't give me the answer. So now let me put it into a technical term. Is it permissible to get involved in a process in which you do not know for certain the outcome and you get involved with the possibility of loss and gain? 
that is how to technically refrain, reframe the idea of a game which is losing or not. Are you actually losing anything? So Bob says that I've got nothing in the first place. The person answering the question. The yeah. person answering the question, yeah. i.e. you lot. Yeah. If you get it, you get it. If you didn't, you didn't. You didn't lose anything. But you have the possibility of gaining. Is this the way that you should be uh, 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 looking to get your rizq? It's not rizq, but the chocolates were gifted. Yep. And not the participants haven't contributed to the chocolates. And someone wins it, and you haven't lost. On what basis? Mesa says... Uh, uh, to be honest, Mesa says very yani, technical answer, but Raheel is the one yani, who got the correct answer. Everything is permissible if the end result is chocolate. Okay, <laughs> that's the correct answer. All right, but Mesa says it is it's reward. It's a reward, and you aren't putting anything up front or losing anything. You see, the real issue is uh, is not just that. Okay, one there has to be the issue of loss. You lot are not losing anything. Two is what the intention is in entering into the process uh, in the first place. You guys are here to study. It wasn't about the chocolate. Well, for some of you, it wasn't anyway. Yeah, and that's that's important as well. And number three, once contractual, the contract, the the the, the conditions of the process are not based upon an insistent loss or gain. So on that basis, it is permissible. Okay. TV shows like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yes. It'd be a similar example. Right. You've gone in there, you're not putting anything at stake yourself. Yep. Yeah. You've not got anything yourself and you're answering questions for money, so you're saying that's okay. Well. I understood that, yeah. The question is now if you're on, what's it called again? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And you go there and you answer questions and you get the possibility of earning or losing and so on and so forth, yes? Yeah. And at what point is the question? You're talking about entering? You're talking about the guy at home? You're talking about the contestant on the game show? The contestant on the game show. Yeah, that's the problem. The contestant on the game show, if he has taken uh, ownership of level one when he passes, yeah, he wins first question, then the second question, and he's taken ownership of the money, and then he's asked the question, "Would you want to go?" I, I think I can't remember how it works, but something like that, and you know, or you bank it and you go home, don't you, or something like that. That's very problematic. At the, at the start with, answer the question, you've got a thousand, get it right, it becomes two. It doubles. It doubles. just doubles. So, like I said, the ruling on that we based upon is this, are you the owner of it? And by all intents and purposes, you are. You have any, the ability to be able to walk away and, and go with what you own. Okay? Some people would argue that something which is owned, okay, and this is a, a, a disputed point amongst scholars, okay, Something which is owned must have tamalluk, and you must own it, and you must have tasarruf. You must have the ability to be able to deal with it. Okay, because if you own something, you should have the ability to be able to say, I want it in cash, I want it in like this, I want it like that. And if, if, for example, you have some limited ability to be able to access it, limited ability to deal with it, then some people then suggested that you don't own it. This is called the concept of qabd. You know qabza? You know the Urdu word qabza? Qabza, yani, uh, qabd in Arabic, we did it qabz, isn't it? We said this is qabla, this is wada, yeah? And qabd, qabz is when you grasp something. Qabd is when you've proper held onto something. So there's a big difference between you being the owner of something, I'm the owner of the house over there, but my baradri have taken it over and they've, they're living in it, yes? And you all know that by the time we get through the courts, whatever, what meaningless, they're the ones who live there. Like tenancy laws here, you know, if you are uh, in that situation. Um, what did I hear the other day? I was listening to the radio 
and that Martin Lewis uh, guy, he was answering a question from someone. SubhanAllah, it's a really interesting question. How the banks in this country do not remortgage. Hmm, I'm going to get it wrong, but SubhanAllah, the reasoning was very interesting. Um, they don't, you know, to, to, to remortgage and to, 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 to give out another house again, uh, to give out the value again when you own the house. There's a certain significant concern on behalf of the banks to offer that refinance for the reason being that if the house is the only collateral that you have and you don't have income, right, then there is a automatic higher risk of defaulting, correct? Because you don't have any income to pay and you only have the house. And you would think, all right, well, we'll then we'll go ahead. If you're the bank manager, you're making the calculations, we'll go ahead. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Uh, but, but if once you finish, then please pass it back to the sisters because they like that, that, that non-sweeted, non-meaning non drink that people have to go about, yeah? So here, think about this. Listen, listen to this. If a person does not have a income, they've got less chance of paying for the house. So you say, no, it's no problem, I use a rahan collateral, which is the house, which is the mortgage. That's what mortgage actually means, the thing that you can use. So the house itself will then be able to be yani, taken. However, how, I, I, it, now when the, when the, the, the what, what are those people called? Actu, uh, actu, actuaries? Yeah. When the actuaries make all their kind of you know, mathematical calculations on based upon risk, how likely is it that a person is going to have default? Clearly, there's a greater risk of someone who doesn't have a job defaulting which means there's a great chance of you having to, in the end, by offering this mortgage, at some point there's going to be a greater possibility and chance of you having to repossess the house. And if you are repossessing a house where there are people already living in it, in this country, tenancy laws will protect that person. So the bank is scuppered. So the banks are now in a situation where they owed the whole money of the house and they can't get it out. This is what, I never knew this, but this is what uh, uh, the guy was saying, why did this guy kept getting refused the mortgage? Go on. No, yeah, obviously we're talking after default, uh, 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 you know, you've defaulted. If you've defaulted. Yeah, yeah, we're not taking just. Yep. You're out. Uh, but, but. Yeah. How are you going to be out? Yeah. And you know and I know that that's like, you can forget about it. You know, they will know that if they keep that place occupied, yeah. there's no way that they can be pulled out of the house. No that's tenancy law. No. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Yara. Bro, in this, especially in this country, especially in this country, yeah. That's by law. That's by law, you're out. But I mean, where's the other one? Right. He's in a legger, the slap pack, easy than a legger. Sugar. That's by law you're out. But physically getting a person out. They don't though. Bailiffs won't touch a person. Bailiffs are not allowed to grab a person and pull them out. The they get for arrested. No, no. I just want. Yeah. Yep. Come on, bro. Come on, Yara. Bro, I'm telling you now. What? No, of course, of course they get the court order. They get the bailiffs, they get the court order, they get the full legal thing, but you can't touch them. If they remain there, 
they are not physically allowed to be touched until like the worst scenario ever. And at that moment, what happens? Banks pull out, people pull out, people don't touch those because this, the PR so bad, the, what's the, the optics, they're so bad. No, sugar, this is why they don't do it. This is, why was I listening to this point? Why did it, why did it prick up? Because the guy kept getting refused. Yeah. That's, that's exactly uh, what Martin Lewis said to him. That's exactly what Martin Lewis said to him. He said to him, what you want is what the normal banks won't touch. They won't, why they're not touching? Because they know they can't get this person out after, unless they wait for years and law and court. And so you go to this special kind of, you know, unofficial people who don't care and, you know, do some kind of behavior. Huh? Yeah, squatters. Squatters are not, squatters are protected by tenancy laws. Where did this question come from? Yeah, exactly. SubhanAllah, listen, this is, this is a very delicate point. So you can own the house like the bank does, but what's the point of owning the house? Well, you can't do anything with it. You can't sell it. You can't move it. No one wants to buy it because it's got a sitting tenant. That's why some scholars said that if you do not have qabd on something, you don't own it. And that's why some scholars said, and I am sympathetic to this position on a personal level, that a person does not pay zakat upon pension funds. Okay, because although you own it, theoretically, in practice, you either have to pay a large fee, exit fee to get access to that money. Is that owning? Are you owning something if you have to be paying £5,000 to access it? Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Some will say, of course you do. You just got to pay £5,000. I'll say, that doesn't look like ownership. If I'm penalised, don't get upset, yara. Uh, if I'm, I'm penalised for, uh, ah, la la. If I, yeah, this is the reason why you don't play cricket for anyone. Yeah? Yeah. Pakistan cricket, women's cricket team are better than you lot. And don't be dissing Pakistan's women's team, yeah? They won yesterday, okay? Yeah, I was very impressed, by the way. Although Ireland, a bit rubbish, but yeah, you know, it's a start, isn't it? So, I want you guys to understand that Qabz, to be actual physically in possession. And that's why there's a difference in Sharia between ownership and possession. And by the way, finance recognizes that. And normative law recognizes the difference between ownership and possession. And uh, so, is this, what, how is this linked to the chocolate? How is this linked to the possession and ownership? Can we win it? And in the um, uh, question about how to win a millionaire, whatever thing, are you possessing that money as well? Are you, you're, oh, sugar does he? See, that's interesting. You see that? You see? These are the little things that scholars will look to to indicate from a societal point of view what, does the, what do the people understand? And if the people understand. Right. Which is being done more for the kind of the shosha, but there's something to it. Yeah, but there's something to it. I, I agree. I think it's very doubtful. Now, what I thought you were asking. What, what the question most, this, this question you asked, why it's most commonly asked about, is the person at home. Okay? And uh, you know, the one who, uh, not how to win a millionaire, but the one who answers the question. Phone a friend. Phone, no, 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 not, not, the, not this program at all. I mean, I mean you know, uh, 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 do you know the answer to this question? Call in and competition. A lot of people ask the question about that. Okay? Is that permissible or not? And a lot of people think, of course it's permissible because... I'm not paying anything, just like in this example here, and I have the possibility of winning something, i.e. The, 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 the prize, and if I, don't, if I get it wrong, I lose nothing, correct? Mm -hmm. And that's what a lot of people say. But people don't realize that uh, uh, there's a charge. 
Now, the charge, that £1.50 per minute, now, you've you got scholars that say, that's not a charge. That's the normative, that's like, it's, 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 neglig it's negligible, right? So then, when I gave the answer to this, I don't think it's permissible. I think it should be avoided, okay? Because no one pays £1.50 for a phone call or a text message. And especially if it's going to go on for a couple of minutes, then it goes to four or five pounds. And in actual fact, from what I understand, what I heard, that these competitions all make money. Yeah. Yeah, at the end, after they've done all everything and they add up all these three, four quids and they pay the, the BT their money, and then they actually make some money. So it's clear gambling. So even though it's free entry, it's not free entry at all. So this is serious distributing chocolate, okay? You've got to think of all of this. As Yanni, uh, I think he said, but when it comes to chocolate, everything is hurt. Yep. Hands up. Who wants one? Yeah, on the internet. Yeah, I believe that's why. That's why there is. See that? I told you the women's cricket team are much better. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not. They're not dropping theirs. They're not dropping theirs. All right. Who's, who's interested? Because I can't even think of any questions. There's Aqidah. There you go. Aqidah and useless. Standard. Somali in the house. Oh, useless. That's why Somalis don't play cricket. Okay. All right. All right. Lala. Oh, lovely. Right. Hasiba. Oh, Hasiba. That was, you grasped that one. Arfana. Ihtishama. Atifa. Bobby J. Doctor. Islama. Oh. Hajisaba. Bashara. Oh, Lala. Oh, Araba. Oh, lovely catch. Lovely catch. Zazada. Zafara. Rubbish. Rubbish. Right, ladies, there we go. Right, anything else? Alright, okay. So the, uh, the the issue on the internet is permissible. Just like the one where you find the crisp packet or the cereal or all these others, you got two types. If you go and some people say the haram because you gotta pay for the you gotta pay for the uh, uh, service itself, yeah? It's actually costing you. Yeah, I need to buy the, the, the shampoo, buy the, the crisps, buy the whatever. We say that no, normally the person was doing that as a reason of getting the thing anyway, right? The argument is what if you weren't? What if you were neither here nor there and suddenly you decide to get that one for the sake of? Yeah, that's when the situation thingy. Then of course, the, 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 these companies or whatever, they... Miskeen or Fatima, there you go, son. There you go, okay? Please do, please do something for your grandson and reach out and go to the kitchen and just give your kids something and show them the magic of dars. Yes, that'd be sick, you know that. Just, there you go, take it, hold your hand like that, go to the kitchen, grab something, go to the kid like that and they'd be, wow, I'm going to attend lessons for the rest of my life. Right? Uh, so, um, uh, you see the packets, this is no purchase necessary, right? So you're able to pick up that thing, and which is indicating. And I, I, I think, what's the reason that they've got that there? Statutory, no purchase necessary. Is it to avoid gambling laws? I think that that statement is there to they even themselves, by their own definition, to make it clear that it wasn't a condition that you have to purchase that thing, to um, to turn it into a more kind of uh, legal kind of uh, whatever. Right, folks. Someone tell me, Yani, because I told you you have to now tell me where it is that we end. Proper, yeah? What was the statement? Bismillah.
Who didn't get chocolate? Huh? Oh, sorry. Anyone else is left out? One? No, no. Any girls? Anyone? Who? Bobby J? Done? Let's find anyone else. We've got to get our amount of chocolate. All right. SubhanAllah. Correct. Ruhi got all our answers right. She aces the exam every single year. Every single lazy one of you haven't even seen what the exam looks like. Sit here, just eat the chocolate. Don't even have an online account. Never seen another video ever in your life. Never done revision. Ruhi does all the revision, all the podcasts, all the videos, all the questions, all the this, that. And what does she get? She gets to see us eating chocolate. <laughs> Ruhi, when we meet up, inshallah, we'll give you many chocolates. Don't worry. Many chocolates. All right. Um, I want to know exactly where we are, man. Come on. Because the problem is, is the last couple of lessons, they've gone into important side discussions. Like all of last week was all about understanding your mushaf. Right? And these are important. That's what, that's what the whole point of the LP is. We're not fussed about the text. We're fussed about the knowledge. Yeah? As long as we study. A little bit of chocolate eating. But as long as we study. Um, so Fatiha, that whole con- the whole concept of understanding what an ayah is and what an ayah isn't. Yeah? Um, and Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, the Hanabila accept it to be an ayah, okay? But they consider it to be something which is part of yeah, the Qur'an in, as part of the normal Qur'an. And the rest of the time, it's dividing uh, surahs. But in Fatiha, it's being used actually as part of the... Um, it's actually meant to be there. Whereas the Ahnaf... Someone asked the question, what's the difference between the Hanafis and the Malikis? The Malikis don't consider it an ayah at all. Okay, that's right, the best matter. We're talking about Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. They don't consider it to be an ayah at all. And therefore its use, I think I wrote that down, right? Yeah. I, we, we discussed this, bro. Yeah, yeah, we discussed We've done this, yeah? So why are we, why, why are we going over this again? Um, and that's why actually about back to Mus'haf, Last week we learned the difference between the, the conceptually we learned the difference between those people who stick to the Uthmani Codex, yeah, and those which are not. So you understood that don't be worshiping the Mushaf. Don't put all of your super confidence into an app. That's the first rule you've learned. And then even the Mushaf that you see, understand what you're actually reading. Understand that most of what you see in terms of the 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 commas the pauses, the semicolons, the dashes that we would call in modern terms, which is represented by the waqf lazim and waqf this, that, God knows what. All of this is human ishtihad. The text isn't, the meaning isn't, the qira'ah isn't, okay? But the rest of it is. In the, in the Qur'an, in, in the riwayah of Warsh, which is the second biggest, yani, after Hafs, which is the one that we all recite normally, uh, the majority of the world, Warsh, which is easily the biggest, millions, hundreds of millions maybe, if you were to open a Warsh Mus'haf, you will not see Bismillah ar rahim It's considered to be an ayah. Because they follow the Maliki school. Right? And the most, most folks, yani, where they, they would use the Warsh Mus'haf, they would be uh, strict on Maliki fiqh anyway. And so they would not consider it to be uh, an actual part uh, there. Anyway, our point is, our point is, let's now just read straight from what Sheikh Uthameen uh, um, has written. So, So the, the, the position of Sheikh Uthameen, everyone, whatever, that it's an individual ayah 
that opens up every single surah from the Quran, other than Surah Bara'a. But um, and, that, and, 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 and that's what it is. And the decision that that, uh, that decision was done by the um, the consensus of the of the companions, and Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has accepted the ijtihad and protected it because they're the ones that were tasked with with uh, preserving the Quran. That's very important. Because when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَّلْنَا ذِكْرَ وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِظُونَ That we are the ones who have sent down this reminder and we are the ones that will protect it. The meaning of this does not mean the Quran doesn't change, you know, like the, you know, what people use when they're debating Quran versus Bible. Look at the Bible's changed and the Quran hasn't. That's one of its meanings. But the other meaning is to legally understand that the companions that agree on something when it comes to the preparation of the Quran, that is also coming under the ayah. The fact that you see a hafiz, yani, memorizing the Quran, that also comes underneath the ayah. The fact that when you watch a YouTube video and you see this yani, young kid yani, smash it out or you see the elders yani, killing it, yani, knowing the, the Quran so well, that is what's coming under the ayah. Allah, by that, by this ayah, means that in every generation, He will ensure that there will be people that will protect the book by memorizing it, by understanding it, by teaching its sciences. This is very, very important to study. That's why it's important to study because you are fulfilling, you know, they say you're doing God's work, okay? That Christian kind of phrase. In actual fact, anyone who's involved in the Quran is really, literally doing God's work. They are being protected by Allah, and Allah is protecting them and protecting the book through them. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as we know, as from the days of the signs of the Day of Judgment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take away his protection. And when he takes away his protection, okay, uh, he will not allow the book to be then left with the worst of people. Right? So Allah's promise is that the book will not be changed. And how does he do that? By protecting the people, their iman, their ilm, their quality, their taqwa. When there's no one left on the earth of that description, then the Day of Judgment will be established. And Nabi Sallallahu said that the hour will not be established except upon the worst of people. The Hadith. Yes? إِلَّا The Day of Judgment, the, the, the uh, Qiyamah, will not happen except upon the worst of people. We know so many Hadith what will happen before that. We know that the, the good people will be taken one by one by one. Then suddenly, one, uh, the last job lot, if you like, a wind will come and all the souls will be taken. And so therefore only the evil people are left. If the evil people are left, then they're not going to do anything for the Qur'an. In actual fact, the other hadith says, when they're asked, yani, what are you upon? What's deen? What's the... Uh, uh, ma, ma. Yani, they don't even know. They can't even, even say, la ilaha illallah. They don't have no connection. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do two things. One, remove the masahif from the world. Okay? So the physical copies will go. And second, the Qur'an will go from the hearts of the people who are there as well. So that's it. There's no now ability even to even recall the Quran. So it's protected. So it's protected even to the end, subhanAllah. No one can mess it up. Yeah? So it's a great honor. People have got to understand that if you're blessed to have memorized the Quran or able to memorize even part of it, Allah is blessing you massively. You're part of the plan. Remember that all the time. And that's why for, for memorizing the Quran, there's such a huge emphasis in, in the Sharia. And for getting children to memorize the Quran, the Prophet ﷺ has promised yani, the parents such a reward, shifa'a of the child, coming on their judgment with the, with the uh, thrones of, of light and uh, crowns of light and honor. And, because, subhanAllah, you're doing something very, very important. All right, let's look at the evidences. Let's get technical now. What's the evidences that the Basmala is not from Al-Fatiha? The biggest evidence, because everything else really can be argued, you know, back and forth. Like, for example, if you have the hadith of Anas that the Prophet ﷺ, we listened to him in the salah and we didn't hear him recite Fatiha. 
So we say, okay, we didn't hear him recite Awudhu Bilash Rajim, Ta'awud either, Isti'adha, and we didn't hear him recite Subhanakallahumma either. But we know from other hadith that that was because he was reciting it quietly. It's not a clear evidence. Where are the clear, clear evidences? The clearest evidence, what do you think? Yeah, that's a, that's a good evidence. Okay. Um, the was uh, saying that the hadith of the man who did not have to know, know how to pray, Al-Musi fi salatihi. Prophet when he, when he came to the Prophet and said, teach me how to pray. And when he told him how to pray, there was no mention of the basmala. Okay. Now, there could be an argument put there that it was to say that, okay, that's in the prayer, it's not said. But actually, it is part of Fatiha. But that would be difficult. The main evidence is the famous hadith of Sahih Muslim. We covered it here about two months ago. Okay. About the conversation, the hadith Qudsi, the conversation of Abu Huraira. That's right. When the Prophet ﷺ said that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said that I have divided the salah between me and my slave, Wali Abdi Masa'al. And for my servant, they will get what they ask for. So I'm going to read that hadith yani, in full so that you understand what's going on. Um, I have divided the prayer between myself and my servant into two halves and for my servant they will get what they ask for. So when my servant says Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says Hamadani Rabbi Hamadani Abdi that my slave has praised me and, they can, and it continues. We did this hadith. Yeah, You guys know about this hadith. Um, so if if it is not from Fatiha, if it's not from Fatiha, then it's known that Fatiha is how many verses? What do we know? So, so we're making, first of all, I'm going to make a statement. The Basmala is not from the Fatiha. That's my introductory hypothesis. Okay, all right, that's part one done. That's my, uh, my hypothesis. Fatiha, Basmala is not from Fatiha. Okay, point two. What do we know about Fatiha? It is how many verses? Seven. al Mathani. Yes, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is the seven oft-repeated verses in the Quran. So we know it's seven verses. Alright. So, So, how the question is, how are we going to create seven verses if we take the Basmala out? So you saw the numbering system that we spoke about, yeah? And that's what people do. And that's why we had to go through that process, yes, last week. Because there are people that might make an argument like that. They will say, um, of course the basmala is from Fatiha. Or of course the basmala is not from Fatiha. Or of course X, Y, Z. And for their evidence, they'll start using numbers. Right? And what you've learned last week is that numbering is in the eye of the one who's writing. They're the one who decides yani, whether to recall an ayah or not. So the text is, is, is preserved. The meaning is preserved. But if I decide to give a pause and carry on the ayah, like ayah to Dain, for example, the longest ayah in the Quran, Surah Al-Baqarah, last page. As we said last week, it's possible to make a number of ayat out of that. A number of ayat. You can make 20 ayat verses out of that because you've got pauses which are like a semicolon. You know what I mean? Right? There's a full stop. But even we know in language that sometimes a comma could be a proper sentence and a semicolon you could put a, you can replace, replace them all the time. So the decision to not go full stop and decision to go colon is a human decision based upon it's easy for the people to read, don't want them to make a mistake, etc, etc. So when a person says, of course Basmala has to be from Fatiha because that's what makes it seven and of course we have to have an equal 
uh, uh, split. Anyway, so Sheikh Uthameen is going to explain what you would do to make seven verses. Okay, so Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen is the first. Malik Yawmiddin, uh, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim is the second. Malik Yawmiddin is the third. Iyaka na'abudu wa iyaka nasta'in is the fourth. Ihdina Sirat al-Mustaqim is the fifth. Sirat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim is the sixth. Ghayr al-Mawdubi alayhim wa al-Dhalin is the seventh. Okay, so the last one is the seventh. Hadha al-Tawzi'u huwa al-Mutabiq lil-Ma'na wal-Lafdi. He goes that if you divide this in this manner, you get seven, which not only is allowed, uh, uh, these, these seven verses, they work not just yani, in, in the way that they're recited, but also by meaning as well, uh, 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 in meaning. Okay? Um, because if you divide them, if you divide the, these verses, these seven verses in this way, the meaning is sound. The, 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 the relevancy to each word is preserved. If we, for example, لكن إذا قلنا إهدنا صراط المستقيم هذه الآية السادسة صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين آمين صوت السابعة طويلة لا تتناسب مع الآية السابقة فهذا تناسب لفظي وأما التناسب المعنوي فإن الله تعالى قد قال قصبت الصلابين وبين عبدي نصفين والعبد ما سألف إذا قال العبد الحمد لله العالمين قال قال تعالى حمدني عبدي وإذا قال الرحمن الرحيم قال أثنى لي عبدي وإذا قال مالك يوم الدين قال مجدني عبدي فهذه ثلاثة فهذه ثلاثة آيات كله لله فإذا قال إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين قال هذا بيني وبين عبدي والعبد ما سأل فيقتدي أن تكون النصف هي هي إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين وهي الرابعة والخامسة والسادسة والسابعة إهدنا صلاة المستقيم صلاة الذين عمد عليهم وإلى المغضوب عليهم ولا الدعالين أمين فتكون, فتكون الآيات الثلاث الأولى لله تعالى والآيات الثلاث الأخيرة للعبد Okay, so actually when you, when you look at what Shaykh Uthameen says, it makes complete sense. If you look at the first three verses, they all become for the servant. Okay, because each time when Allah, when you say Alhamdulillah, Allah says he's praised me, get my servant, guess what he wants. Then he, uh, 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 lauded praise upon me, he gets what he wants. Uh, he, he exalted me, my slave gets what he wants. So, Three for the slave. is the middle ayah. It's a divider because then Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says this is between this whole situation is between myself and and uh, my slave. So my slave will now get what they want, and then everything else is the du'a part. Okay, and so you get you you know you got three for Allah, three for the the person themselves. So anyway, that's the it is clear that 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 uh, division allows. Uh, 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 allows it to work um, both from a math point of view and from a meaning point of view. You, you keep you know, the, 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 the meanings similar. Um, and then he goes into what we covered last week. He goes, what if someone says, how about if we look into the uh, Quran and we see that the first verse is numbered as number one? Yeah, that the basmala is actually labeled as number one. And so he says, as, as, Sheikh, as I mentioned last week, that this tarqeem ala qawl ba'd ahl al-ilm. And this numbering system is based upon the position of some of the people of knowledge. Okay? And uh, if you look at the... Uh, 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 and his argument immediately refuting it, he goes, if you look at the rest of the surahs, you will not see... A number. I think we did that last week, right? If you look at the, the basmala at the rest of the surahs, you don't see number one. 
So in Fatiha, it's actually been given an honorary status of number one. Now, here's Uthamin's argument, and the majority, frankly, that you're going to call it number one, you need evidence to call it number one. Why did you not do it for all the rest? In Al-Imran, in Al-Nisa, in Al-Ma'idah, why did you not give it number one? Why did you just keep it there as a beginning? You know what I'm trying to say? That's a strong, that's a strong case. That's a strong uh, case. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's enough, to be honest. What is the Hanaf response to that, though? In terms of when Allah SWT is saying the seven off verses, how are they making Fatih into seven verses then? Uh, by, by making the last one super long. Super long. Yeah. So, They're making all of that one verse. And I think if you look at those Masahif, I think we did that last week. When you look at the Masahif that does have Basmalah as the first one, then they've made sure that seven is like, you know, it's a, a blag, basically. Just stick everything under it, khalas. Yeah? So, yani, this is a matter of ijtihad. And uh, I think, yani, it's okay to, to you know, we've seen scholars have divided, uh, have, uh, yeah. That's very good as well. The hadith sahih. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Shall I not inform you of the best part of the Quran? And then he recited, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. He didn't say, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. Yeah? Now, it might be argued then that, okay, we accept the argument, you win. Basmullah is not part of Fatiha. But you need to say it in the Salah. Okay? Yeah, that's also an argument really which technically requires evidence. What would the reasoning be that you need to actually say it? And that's why very rare, very few of the scholars actually say that you should recite the, the, the Basmala out loud. So, uh, so the conclusion is what? That the Fatiha is the Fatiha without the Basmala. Okay? For a person to say, A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem, Bismillah Rahman Rahim, the Salah is fine. Because they're continuing. The Isti'adha is seeking refuge of Allah to not, you know, to protect them from while they receive the Quran. That's what's justified, the recitation of that. So you do that. Then Bismillah Rahman Rahim. You recite that because it's the beginning of the chapter like every other. All right? And that's something you can say to yourself. But out loud in the prayer, if you're reciting, then Alhamdulillah is where you start. Because Basmala is not technically part of Fatiha. It's the beginning of the surah like it is in every other surah. You're happy with that? This is the position of the Hanbalis, Sheikh Uthameen, Ibn Taymiyyah, and the class as well. It is an ayah of the Quran, but it is an ayah mustaqillah. It is an individual verse, independent verse of the Quran. Then Sheikh says, then the, the, the author says, Then he recites the Fatiha. Okay? The Fatiha. The Al-Fatiha. Yani meaning the entire Fatiha. Not just, yani, yani, not just one part of it, but he recites all of it in order, all of its words, all of its letters, all of its harakat as well. So therefore, if a person was to recite only six verses from the Fatiha, he is not Yani, it's not valid. Because he has to recite the Fatiha. And if he recites seven verses of the Fatiha but leaves out Wala Dalin, then that's incomplete because Dalin is part of that seventh verse. So it has to be all the verses completely. Okay? Um, also, what if he recites uh, nothing? Uh, what, what if he recites all of the words, but he misses a letter? Surat al-Ladina an'am alayhim. It leaves the ta in an'am ta. An'am alayhim. Okay? So that's also invalid. Okay? Invalid. Because he has to yani, come with all of the huruf. Okay? 
Um, right. What's next? Uh, what else does he say? Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. And he goes, and uh, yani you can ask questions specific, but basically the Sheikh just carries on emphasizing that any kind of significant mistakes, and that's why it's important, you know, you get, uh, I always get to ask the question, you know, like packs especially, we pray behind someone who's really poor in recitation, right? Really poor in recitation. What is the ruling? And it's important that we don't mix up really poor sounding recitation and incorrect recitation. Because yeah, I mean, no one's going to be always liking the recitation of another person. That's a personal choice. But as long as they're saying the actual words, it doesn't have to be beautiful, right? It's if they are uh, actually m uh, missing out words or missing out letters, which is very rare. Now you might say, yeah, okay, but the packs they do mess it up because they say, Sirat al lazina anamta alayhim ghayri al-maghr you know, Zubi alayhim wa zalin. Okay? And I, I've discussed this before. I've said that in actual fact, this might sound like a very significant mistake, but it's not. It's not, Yani, what you would say is out and out like changing a complete word. Yes, if a person emphasized and said Sirat al Lazina, right? Really going for the Zay, okay? There's a big difference between that and a person not being able to say a proper that and just getting, giving it, making it a bit wet, making it za. Yep, za. Za, okay, I can feel, I can feel it to be wrong, but it doesn't sound so wrong. You know what I'm trying to say? And then, wala dhalin, wala dhalin, wala dhalin. You know, dha, dha, and anything in between, they are also very, very similar letters. It's not necessarily an out and out change of meaning. Few scholars will say the prayer has been invalidated. So it's important for a person to recognize that praying behind someone who's got very poor makharij, the ability to actually pronounce letters, and poor tajweed does not mean invalidation. And our focus is on validation when there's letters left out, where there's meaning changed completely and entirely. Okay? Uh, okay. So, Sheikh says, when they say that he writes... When he, when he says that he says that when the scholars say that then they recite Fatiha, a بعد البسم الله يقرأ الفاتحة وثم هنا لا يراد بها ترتيب والتراخي بل هي لمجرد الترتيب لأنه لا تراخي بين البسم الله وقراءة الفاتحة بل يبسمل ثم يشرع في الفاتحة فورا يعني you know the word ثم and ف in Arabic I want you to understand that in Arabic you know the uh, then the, the word then, in English, it doesn't have an indication of time, does it? It just me meant that this happened, then that happened. Yes? Do we have something? We need to add immediately, right? We need to word, add the word. In English language, you have to say then immediately, or straight away then, or then straight after. We have to add another, what's, the, what's, what's, the, what's that called? Straight after? Immediately? And I, what is that in English? An adverb. You need to add an adverb to indicate the time. Does that make sense? Yeah? Whereas in Arabic, you have different ones to use for then. So thumma means then, which indicates order, but it doesn't indicate immediacy. Immediacy a word? Yeah? It doesn't indicate immediacy. 
fa, the letter fa, is then an immediacy. Does that make sense? That's the difference between fa and thumma. And that's why when you're doing tafsir uh, and you look at the verses of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, and I've always, you know, as every teacher of tafsir will say to you, you never ever disregard Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's choice for using a thumma instead of a fa and a fa instead of a thumma, even though they both mean then. Sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to express urgency and immediacy and he chooses one yani which is relevant to that ayah. And that's part of the mu'jizah of the Qur'an. Yani the perfection of the meaning of the Qur'an and the balagha of the Qur'an. So what the shaykh is basically indicating here is a really interesting point. He said that when the scholars themselves said thumma yaqra'u al-fatiha in their normal Arabic when they're teaching a lesson, then he recites Fatiha. They're not saying Thumma in the Arabic technical sense that a person can recite Fatiha like half an hour later or whatever. They need to maintain continuity. That's important because um, we know that if uh, any act of worship is broken up by an unnatural break, the whole thing is gone. Right? So if a person... um, you know, we get asked this question in Wudu, we covered it in Wudu as well. That if a person was to wash everything and they would just, just use the example that they're making masah on their socks. Yeah? So you've done all full Wudu, right? And you know that you don't need to now wash your feet anymore, okay? So people put the water off, isn't it? Yeah? You turn the water off and you're going to go down and you're going to wipe on your socks. Alright? Now here we've got a number of possibilities of scenarios. Let's assume that the... Um, you say to yourself, you know what it is? I'm going to dry myself first. Because I've, I've done now, right? So I might as well just dry myself now and then wipe my socks. Or dry my face at least, okay? Is it allowed? We discussed this, Yanni. Do you have to be dry before you... Uh, sorry, do you have to be wet whilst you move on to the next act of worship? All right? Or is the issue about time? So if a person, for example, um, he, for whatever reason doesn't want to wipe his feet in the bathroom, but he says, let me just step, step out of the bathroom, sit down and wipe my feet. Yeah, let's just say that he's got a back condition or uh, whatever, but he doesn't want to lean over, but he knows if I sit down, it's easier. All right, is it allowed to do that? Right? At what point do we say that the, the, the wudu is invalid? And the answer to that is that the dryness is a red herring. A lot of people think that it's about dryness. It's not. So a person could have their face dry and their whatever dry if they dried them themselves with a towel, and it doesn't affect the other act of wudu. There's no requirement for the person to be yani, wet before they move to the next part. But what there is a requirement is that it seems continuous. Now, seems continuous means it will go back to urf. It will go back to the community and the culture of the people. Okay? And therefore, if we were to ask a group of you know, 100 people, if a person was to go and sit down 20 seconds later and make mas'h, would you consider that to be uh, uh, continuous? And most majority will say yes. Okay? It's still seen in the same kind of act, the same kind of moment, even though there's some time difference. Whereas if a person was to now go back to, you know, downstairs and sit down at the kitchen table and think, oh, sugar, I forgot. Yep. And then he just wipes his feet there. We're only talking maybe one minute. But you just feel that the continuity is gone. You change not just time, but you change the location as well. And remember that was what we spoke about when it comes to the masjid and making a mistake in the prayer. At what point do you feel comfortable that you can actually make sajdasahu or whatever and consider to be able to rescue your prayer or rescue the mistake? And what the scholars look at when they give the ruling is not just time but distance as well. 
So they'll say that even if it's a couple of minutes, but they're still walking around the masjid, you're in the zone. But let's just say that even five seconds after, five seconds after, imagine if you go slow, 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 and you go straight out the door and straight to your car. And once you're getting in your car, you're like, you kind of like, you know, mentally and physically and psychologically, you've kind of separated between the act, even though it's only been like five, ten seconds. You get what I'm saying? So there's a time-space kind of uh, appreciation. Anyway. Um, so then he recites the Fatiha, Sheikh says. And the Fatiha is so well known. It is the greatest surah in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It has been named the Fatiha because it opens up the Mus'haf in its written form. And it also opens up the Salah when we are reciting it. Um, and, but it doesn't open up absolutely everything. It opens up the Quran when we recite. It opens up the Salah when we recite. Okay, and, uh, and it's important for us to correct that because there are some people today that if they want to start something, they recite Fatiha. Has anyone done that? Anyone seen that? Really, yeah? Sorry, what do you mean? Yeah, if Fatiha is the opener, then it should open everything. Yeah, and it, that, that's what I'm saying. So if you're about to start something, open yeah, like open whatever you should open because it's the opener. As a barakah point, I don't know if anyone takes it to the level of food, but he gives the example here. He says, he goes, for example, like what some of the people today, this is obviously 30 years ago, do. If they want to start something, they recite Fatiha. So for if they want to, uh, I don't know if this is correct or not, but Sheikh says it anyway. He goes, if they want to send mercy upon you know, seek forgiveness for a person who's passed away. I don't know about what Shaykh Uthaymi, my greatest respects to him, I don't know whether he got that right. I mean, he's right in that it's not correct. But for the reason that, I don't think the people say Fatiha as a beginning. No, 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 no. Uh, the, the whole concept, you know, that obviously packs are not big in this. Oh, yes, we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry. We are, we are. But we don't do it because we're saying this is the beginning. No, we just do it because it's. So, what is, why, why do we do it? Is it? What's the mentality? You lot do it. Come on, tell me. <laughs> Come on, who's going to own up to it? Come on. Come on. I want to I wanna straight up pack to say, yep, we do it. And this is the reason. Just be honest. This is yep. Uh, yep. Right. Right. So this is exactly, Zakmullah Khair. I don't know if you picked it up on, Zakmullah Khair, I don't know if you picked it up on the microphone, but uh, Farah said that, you know, she's doing a course at the moment, an Islamic counseling course, and the teacher basically every day insists that everyone starts off the day with Fatiha. This is the exact thing that Sheikh Uthameen is talking about. This is bid'ah. No doubt about it. This is classic, pure bid'ah. If she said, hey, let's uh, recite Fatiha, yani, to get us in the mood, yani, in a general way, whatever, what, as a one-off, we'd say, okay, yani, we might do it, yeah? But when my girl gives it, yeah, let's do it every, every day, every morning, 
well, you know, just as today's, you know, the start of the, because you understand it as the opener, the starter offer, that's where the bid'ah is. And that's what Shaykh Khatim is trying to correct. My, my contention was that when people say Alhamdulillah, Fatiha, and everyone says Alhamdulillah, I don't think it's because they're starting anything off. Or do they think somewhere, you know, this is the beginning of his journey? I don't think so. The reward? Yeah, that's what I thought. Isal al-Thawab. Yeah, just yani, transfer the reward. I recited some uh, uh, Quran. It's the best of the Quran. I recited it, Ya Allah, accept this yani, on his or her behalf, the deceased. Isn't that what the populist uh, understanding is? But they do it every single time somebody walks in. Yeah. Every time a new guy comes, it's part of the evidence. Yeah, because we're giving less of reward to the guy. <laughs> no? Yeah, Naveed, but why I'm saying? Why? What is the, what is the actual thingy? What is the reason? I mean, I know Pakistan don't ask. I know no one asks here. Yeah, bid- no one actually tries to understand it. But the concept is, what is their actual reasoning? But anyway, the point that Sheikh Uthameen makes is valid. It doesn't open things up like the Basmala does. Okay? The Basmala is technically used to open things up. Okay? Um, the, Surah, the Fatiha is the Umm al-Quran. It is the core of the Quran, the mother of the Quran. Because all of the objectives that the Quran tries to achieve is all found in the Fatiha. It is comprehensively containing everything concerning uh, Tawheed. Okay, about Tawheed. And its various types. And it's about the message itself, the message of Islam itself. And about the Day of Judgment. And the way of the messengers and those who differed uh, with them or opposed them, rather, I should say. It, the, the, the Fatiha encompasses that as well. And so all of the key principles of deen are found in this surah. And that's why it has been named as the mother of the book. Okay, Umm al-Quran. Okay, or the, uh, what would the better translation be? Umm al-Quran. Yeah, any? The one? I've read the book. I don't like that. What is it? Um, I guess it is mother of the book, Yani. Umm al Quran? Mother of the Quran? Just sounds weak, that. I don't know. Whatever. But the point is, you understand it's the most important. You know, uh, uh, one of the interesting things is that, you know, when people talk about the whole gender kind of thing, you know, about men and women, it is important that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides to call it the mother, to add importance to the mother, the concept of the mother. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, because if, uh, I remember, I don't know what class I was explaining this in, clearly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't mean mother in some physical sense, right? Obvious. So it's a metaphor. Agreed? This is, this is interesting, all right? So if we're using metaphor, then we can choose any metaphor we possibly want. Agreed? Because it's a metaphor. Because the meaning is not intended literally. But then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uses the metaphor of the mother. You get what I'm saying? That's intentionally chosen by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to exalt the status of the mother. Or to make people understand actually the concept of the mother. That she is the most important. She is the most valuable. She is the one that does all the yani, work and she gets recognized for it. Okay? The root, yeah, yeah, maybe. Root of the Qur'an, the core of the Qur'an, yeah. I, I kind of gravitate towards that core, asal, yeah, whatever. Anyway, 
and it's called a sab al mathani the seven oft repeated verses kama sah dhalika an rasulillah sallallahu alaihi wasallam because that is what the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam also described it as as the seven oft repeated verses and allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, has specified it uh, by mentioning it when he said wa laqad atainaka sab'an min al mathani wal qur'an al azim and we have indeed given you the seven of the oft repeated verses and the Quran Al-Azim. It's like, subhanAllah, it's given its own special status, almost separate from the Quran. We gave you yani, this seven and the rest of the, the great yani, book, and the rest of the great book. Um, was it also uh, it was like it's never been given before? Absolutely, the hadith yani, indicates that no one was received it. it was, uh, there's so many hadith actually on Al-Fatiha, and I think, uh, I don't know whether it was in this class or somewhere, but I really advise you guys to get hold of uh, a book uh, translation. So translation is original work. No, I think it's original work. Rafi, my friend, my class below, my class below, Abu Rumaysa, he wrote yani, a book on the Fatiha. It's only small. Okay, I don't know if it's. I'm sure it's original work. It's very good. Collected all of the narrations, the evidences, and the uh, the excellences of Surah Al-Fatiha. It's very, very, very nice. Mashallah, Tabarakallah. So many hadith. And anyway, the Fatiha is a ruknun min arkan salah. It's a pillar from the pillars of the prayer, and it's a condition for its validity. Okay, so the prayer is not valid without it. The Prophet ﷺ said, "La salat liman lam al-kitab." The most important hadith in this uh, chapter. You mother noun, what was happening there? By the way, we've got to work out how to make all this yani. You know, it's amazing. You do realize, by the way, that I had no idea that she had written like that, except all of you lot were like. <laughs> so, you know, these lot now, yani, they've, they've found a way to take the attention, which, to be honest, is, is online fighting back. <laughs> it's online fighting back. But about time, to be honest, seven years later, you know what I mean? They finally realize, you know what? This is the only way we're going to get heard. Yeah? So, mother now. Uh, by the way, uh, yani, she's focused so much on getting attention. I have no idea what she's trying to say. <laughs> and I guarantee you, Solange, that you have no idea what you're trying to say as well. What does that even mean? Can someone explain to me? Whilst you guys are trying to explain, I'll just, you know, take a break. Oh. Right. In a mother of a storm. That's how we'd use it in school. It was a mother of a this, or it was a mother of a that. Like a big. Yeah? Yeah. Alright. That was too easy, too quickly, to be honest. Brush this round. You cause this round. I'm hungry, I haven't eaten. Alright. Yeah. Things deadly, man. <coughs> <laughs> it's afterwards. Oh, yes. What is that, by the way? No, <laughs> no, that's really nice taste. But once you've finished, it's like you become drunk on it. <laughs> For <Ooh. coughs> that's dangerous behavior. Oh, just wait. Don't worry. Don't be laughing at me. <laughs> <coughs> I only had one. 
something happens. They didn't put nazar upon us, you know? <laughs> Say mashallah online, you know what? I am saying bismillah as you lot are saying mashallah. And Naveed has given a link to it. A bit naughty that, but it's okay. I give you permission to use the link. Because I have the book at home, you gave it to me to proofread, so I'll give it to you anyway. The online version is going to link to it. You see that? You laughed at me. But it's just YouTube. No. Just wait a minute. Pass it on. Let everyone you know, eat it, enjoy it. They realize that something happens afterwards. I don't know what it is, but something happens. Anyway, nothing that chocolate can't fix. Alhamdulillah. Right. This, salah, this hadith is very important. There is no prayer for the one who has not recited the opening of the book, who has not recited the Fatiha. This is a very important hadith and is a very contentious one between the scholars because of course as you're going to find out in this session or maybe next week as well that the Hanafis in their most famous opinion of course they do not recite Fatiha in the Salah if you are praying behind an Imam. And, uh, and that obviously, what is that? What is that, Bobby J? Bobby J, guess me. You cause a big muscle like that now, Ira. Right, so this hadith, by the way, narrated by Bukhari in the chapter of the Adhan. In the book of the Adhan, Kitab al-Adhan, chapter, Wujub al-Qira'a lil-Imam wal-Ma'mum fil-Salawat kullaha. That's sick. This is Bukhari showing his Shafi'i credentials, right? So in the book of the Adhan, chapter, the obligation of the Imam and the follower reciting the uh, uh, Fatiha in every prayer, in every prayer, which is amazing to say that because he's now, you know, he's effectively, you see, a lot of people, they, they don't, not that they don't forget, when you start studying Bukhari, it's the first thing actually you learn, is that Bukhari's book of hadith is much more than a book of hadith. It's full of little secrets and surprises. Bukhari is a faqih as well. He's a jurist as well. And so whilst collecting hadith is his primary goal, what he's also doing is using those hadith to establish his personal opinion as well. And where do we get that subjective opinion? In the chapter titles. Because he himself is writing his chapter titles. And the hadith is there. Now, frankly, with my dearest respects to Bukhari, even though, of course, I agree with him, the hadith does not mention Sunnah and Fard and Nafal. That's his assertion. But he's put it there, indicating that, oh, by the way, the Hanafi argument that says, but that's not the case in the, in the congregational prayer because the recitation of the Imam covers for the recitation of the follower. Which we even accept to an extent, right? Because we're the ones who have said, that if you are reciting behind an imam and you can hear the imam, then it is actually enough for us and we don't need to physically recite. So even we agree with that, right? And Bukhari being Shafi'i is like, no, like the Shafi'is, what did they say? You've got to recite it all the time, every salah, even in a loud one. And in a loud one, either you do it in the gaps. So if the imam says, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim, you like that, or you rush it through at the end. You know, before he starts the surah. So that's the Shafi'i position. And he's like putting his stall out. We don't have to take from his chapter titles. Okay? That's why there's some accusations against the Hanafis, students of knowledge, that they don't use Bukhari enough. 
And you know what? I'll be honest with you. A lot of people would criticize, yani, you know, people causing fitna by saying that, that the Hanafis don't give Bukhari the importance it deserves uh, because there's a bit of beef between uh, the early kind of scholars, Hanafi scholars and Bukhari because he's so straight out, you know, Shafi. And I know why they say that because there are some indications. And maybe it's possible to say a few other things as well. But what I will say is this, is that it's not true. All the major Hanafi scholars, they always did a commentary on Bukhari. They always considered it to be from the most authentic of hadith. And I think it's yani, not right to make people believe that the Hanafis don't consider Bukhari to be something special. They do. Um, and also I want to say that the clever Hanafis, those who are on their deen proper, proper, they also know that Bukhari is not Shafi'i. Bukhari is a mujtahid. He is at the level of Shafi'i. He is not a follower of Shafi'i. He is a mujtahid in his own right. He is an independent jurist of the highest level in his own right, as well as being a muhaddith. And that's very important, by the way. As students of knowledge, you need to understand that if Bukhari says a hadith is weak or sahih, he's not just bringing his technical ruling to the game, like it's fulfilled condition X, Y, Z. He's bringing a real experience to the game as well. That was the one thing which is, uh, that's the biggest thing which is missing between that generation and the muhaddithin of our generation. This always used to be the, the accusation that's thrown against Sheikh Lalbani. Sheikh Lalbani is yani, a scholar of our modern times and he was a hadith specialist. But there's a big difference between a, being a hadith specialist and being someone who is so immersed and qualified in Islamic sciences that they actually use a little bit of that light and a bit of that barakah to be able to help them in the hadith sciences as well. So sometimes yani, a person would make a hadith sahih because technically it passes the rules of being sahih, but its meaning is weird. Its meaning is strange. But you know that, of course, it's not permissible for a scholar or any Muslim to make a hadith weak just because it sounds strange. Because, as you guys know today, we have so many people that think so much of Islam is strange and they try to change everything as a result. So what's actually strange is your ability, not the hadith. That's the big challenge of our time. I want you to know that this problem affected our scholars as well. So, you know, the, uh, there are some famous examples. The most famous of them would be the hadith of riba. Sheikh Lalbani and he made the hadith of riba authentic. The one that the Prophet ﷺ said that one dirham of um, riba is equal to 36 acts of zina with one's mother in the open, etc., etc. Very famous hadith. Find many scholars quoting that left, right and center when they're trying to push people away from interest. This hadith is weak. But when we look at the hadith being weak, a number of scholars said, no, the hadith is sahih. If you go through the narrators and you go through the this and you go through the you know, technical facts, then the hadith ticks the boxes. But when you look at the early generations, the early Don Don scholars, a number of them didn't consider it to be authentic. And when they gave their reasoning for why they thought it wasn't authentic, they didn't always just start off with the idea that because so-and-so is rejected, so-and-so, you know, like normally you would say, so-and-so is weak, so-and-so is yani, fabricating, yani, he's the, the oldest scholars consider him to. No, they said this hadith goes against the principles of sharia. A very big statement. This is yani, unacceptable to be equating riba to zina. It's unacceptable to be, this is not the language of the Prophet ﷺ. Now, we will reject that statement from every single person who says it in this century and this time now. If someone said, yani, Abu Isa comes along and says, you know what, this hadith is weak because you know what, the Prophet ﷺ wouldn't say that. You know that, that kind of line of thinking is a very common phrase you hear today. Yeah? And that statement is 
Yani if I said that, I'm, I, I'm basically saying, I know the Prophet's nature so intimately, and I am so free of any subjectivity that I am positive that this is what the Prophet would say. It's a ridiculous claim. And it's a claim that can't be made by any of the scholars today because they haven't reached that level. It's the most difficult level of Islam to achieve. It's called Naqdul Matan. The ability to be able to, to criticize text without looking at the chain. The ability to come across the text and say, that doesn't feel like a statement of the Prophet. To be able to reach that level, you've got to be at the level of Bukhari. You've got to have never got involved in the dunya. You've got to be at the level of deen where you've lived and breathed it and nothing else for 50 years and reach the level of memorization that you, you know. And the closest example that we get to this is like um, from a doctor, from a doc, uh, yeah, using a doctor and a pharmacist example. A pharmacist, uh, you know, when they get a prescription or a doctor when they come across a person who's ill and there's always something that they, they do the diagnosis, they do the external checks and everything is passing. But there's something doesn't feel right. You know, the concept of feel right, you can't get that in, in, in medical school and you can't get that in three years of GP training. You need 10 years, 20 years. You need to do a lot of operations. You need to see a lot of weird stuff, right? The more weird stuff you, you see, you think that is possible because I've seen that happen. So this could also. So the more experience you get, the more you realize the boundaries are bigger than what you thought and the more uh, options are on the table. And that's what experience brings. It's like a pharmacist, when they look at a prescription, they look at it and they immediately know it's fabricated or forged because just the language isn't right. The, 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 the way that the words are being written is not right. It's someone's nicked the doctor's pad and they've written the drug out and they've written the dose out, but they're not using the right kind of, or the pen's written, the pen is being written in a, you know, like people who study fake signatures. You know, there's a massive difference between a natural signature and someone who's got the pressure point at the wrong point because they're doing it in parts and copying it. You know what I'm saying? So there's physical analysis, which is one level, but the very highest level is... Is that anyway? This chapter, as I, this hadith, as I said, is very important. Though there is no the, 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 there, uh, there is no prayer for the one who does not recite the uh, opening of the book. Okay, and Sheikh Damien says that we're going to obviously cover the arkan um, in uh, lots of uh, detail later. Yeah, essence. I like essence to be honest, uh, and foundation. And gives birth to the rest of the surahs, opening birth-like. Yeah, that I think could also work as well. Okay. And I think we'll make this the last thing. How long are we on now? Oh, sugar, yeah, that's long enough. All right, okay. So the last paragraph. وقوله يقرأ الفاتحة يفيد هذا القول أنه لا بد أن يقرأ الفاتحة بجميع حروفها وحركاتها وكلماتها وآياتها وترتيبها. هذه خمسة أمور الآيات والكلمات وحروف والحركات وترتيب. Well, he said that already. Yeah, he's given the same example. So I don't think we need to... Um, next week, inshallah. So next week, inshallah, the lesson is going to come from, inshallah, Madinatul Munawwara. So no lesson here in Cheadle. And uh, will we try to do that live? Well, <laughs> after what happened last time. But certainly we'll be there though. So... Um, Yeah, so uh, just uh, be online for the lesson at 8.20 next week uh, on Wednesday. Um, but uh, it's going to be, inshallah, recorded in Medina Tul Manawara, bi ta'ala. It will be at the Movenpick Hotel 
if there's anyone there in Saudi, because I know that there's a couple of students there, then you're most welcome to come and uh, just um, ask for the Hajj with AE team and they'll, uh, you know, you'll be able to find the room number that way. All right, questions? Yeah. Yeah. In the prayer, they forget to recite Bismillah. Yeah. Correct. Yeah, you're absolutely right. If a person does consider it to be part of the prayer and therefore they forget to say the Bismillah in Salah, then according to them, they have uh, not recited Fatiha and have to go back and repeat the prayer if they remembered afterwards. And if they remembered whilst in the prayer, then they would have to go back to that particular uh, raka'ah and start again. Correct. Yep, next. Is the Shafi Adman to be considered the Bismillah to be an ayah? Is that why you often hear them allow the Bismillah when they start the surah? Yeah, that's one of the that's, that's one of the uh, one of the uh, reasons. But also they have hadith, and that's what Dar Qutni, as I said last week, Imam Dar Qutni said that actually every narration that does mention that is weak. So there's no doubt that there are there are hadith that say I prayed behind the Prophet and he said Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillah. I mean, number of those are hadith. The question is that authentic or not? Even for other surahs as well, or are they just referred it? To no, no. It's just for that. For, for the Shafi is for the normal prayer. In the normal prayer after the Rafatiyah, yeah, they go into a surah. Yep. They will read Bismillahir Yes, that's also a good question. Bob is saying that, you know, if, if a person is reading the Qur'an, if a, if a Shafi'i Imam is reciting the uh, surah in Salah, they will say, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, Qul Allahu Ahad, Allah Subhanahu The Hanafis won't, the majority won't, because we consider it to be an, in, an independent ayah, but not part of the surah. And I'm here to recite the surah. Whereas the Shafi'is, they say, no, it is a, it is a surah, and it's the beginning of every surah. So that's why it's recited. Correct. Correct. Well, one of the main reasons. Yeah. You mean like before, when after they say, uh, uh, if a Shafi Imam is leading, they're giving moments of time after saying Ameen. Yeah. And your, your question is? According to the Shafi'is, no. According to, that's why I mentioned that some of the Shafi'is, I said you recite it after each ayah, ayah, ayah for ayah. Or you recite it, yani, I mean, they get themselves in a bit of a problem there. Because then if, they, if the imam moves on to surah, then are you now falling under the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ prohibited someone to be reciting whilst he's reciting and competing and, and, and. And that's why I, I, that's why I believe, and it's, it's, it's the position, that's the middle position, and it seems to follow all the evidences, and a number of scholars held it. Ibn Taymiyyah argued for it very vociferously, which is that when you are hearing the recitation of the Fatiha, your job is done, you're following it. Any other opinion is you having a not normal prayer experience. Just think about it rationally. When you're on your own, you're going to recite it, that's fine. When you're with the Imam, you can't hear it, you're going to recite it, that's fine. Gives meaning to that prayer, gives meaning to that prayer. So we only have now the big question. The contentious one is when you can hear in Salatul Maghrib and Isha and Fajr behind the Imam, what should I do? Let's just use common sense, which is not an Islamic evidence, but just use common sense. If you are reciting behind the Imam, you are either reciting at the same time, and if you do that, then you're going against the hadith of competing, if you are reciting in the gaps, your focus is not on them, but, but can I quickly get my, my, my thing in? Then what kind of prayer that is? It's just a little mess in your head. 
And if you're doing the third thing, which is that Imam goes, Ameen, then you're thinking, right, I've got to go, bust it, go, before he starts reciting. The whole prayer turns into like a different experience. Now, as I said, that's not an Islamic experience. That's not an Islamic mode of arguing. Right? It's more of an emotive kind of weak argument, but it's something which is used to tip the scales in the debate. So once you're going back and forth with evidences, at the end of the day, something's going to have to give, especially for the student of knowledge. You know, they're studying there with a teacher and given all the evidences, given all the evidences, and now what am I going to do? When they all look equally the same to me. Something has to give. So that at that point, if a person uses that feels better, that feels more correct, it, like, then we can use it to tip the scales. But it's got to be a matter of proper ishtihad. Yeah. Any uh, other? Yeah. Bashar, yeah. And in a loud salah, yeah, you need to recite it. Okay, so the question is, is that if you are in a loud prayer, Maghrib Isha, and you join the prayer late whilst he's reciting the surah, do you have to recite Fatiha? Yes, you do. All right, because the hadith says you've got to recite Fatiha and you didn't hear the Fatiha. You didn't follow the Fatiha. So you're the one who's got to uh, fill up with it. And if, if we didn't have enough time to say the imam, you, you join and the imam goes, Allahu Akbar, if you go for ruku'ah, there are a small group of scholars that said, use this hadith, they're, they're known as the zahiriyyah, the literalists, okay? And, and actually, in our modern time, Jamiat al-Hadith, I think, follow this opinion, okay? And it's a valid opinion, meaning amongst the plethora of opinions, but it's a very weak one, right? They say that, that you, will, you will go Allahu Akbar, with the Imam, and you will re repeat that unit because you didn't do the Fatiha, right? Whereas the vast majority say that the obligation to recite the Fatiha was um, covered, not just covered, uh, but, but, but by the Imam going to a, a, a Ruku'ah, it was cancelled, not cancelled. What's the more positive word? Superseded? No, no. Overruled, superseded by the, by the, but not abrogated because I, 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 it's not that strong. It's not abrogated um, because you would still try to recite it. If the imam, for example, if the imam went down and you was at, yani, uh, you'd stay maybe like 0.5 of a second to get and you would go for ruku'ah. What you can't do is to miss the ruku'ah. You've got to still be seen as someone following the imam, right? So, but the fact is, is that if the, but, but, but let's throw that out as well. Let's say that you walk into the masjid and then in ruku'ah. The obligation is still upon you to recite Fatiha, but because the Imam is ruku'ah, that's now taken over that, that obligation. And the hadith is clear. The hadith is the evidence. Man adraka ruku'ah, faqad adraka raka'ah. Whoever catches the ruku'ah, they've caught the prayer. So that hadith is specific and the Fatiha hadith is general. So the general hadith says, no, there's no prayer without the Fatiha. But then the specific hadith comes in and says, but the one who catches the ruku'ah, meaning if you come late and you catch the ruku'ah, then you've caught the prayer. That is by definition, and in brackets, that's, that hadith is basically saying, basically saying, you've caught the prayer even though you didn't recite the Fatiha. That's what it's basically saying. Yeah? Waved. Yeah, waved might be a better term. Yeah, waved. Yeah. And um, just following up from the, um, the answer that you gave earlier, you said that when um, you recite the Fatiha, you um, completely the Imam, that's what you're asked to do. So then how do you explain when you 
situations and when the imam goes around the tasneem, yeah. some people don't wait until he finishes the tasneem, they do it with the imam. Would that still be considered competing with the imam? No, no, no. So a person competing in the in uh, uh, with, with the uh, imam is reciting over him, reciting and, and not focusing upon him. The issue of yani, when a person gives taslim and when the other person behind them, we're going to come to and cover that in detail. That's an issue of what is the definition of following. That, that discussion is about following, not about competing. So the Hanafis, for example, they're very, very careful to, to say we have to follow. And if we follow, then we've got to move with the imam. Whereas the Shafi'is, as you know, they very delayed. They say, I've got to not move until one is done completely. And they're saying because that is the balance between following and not getting in front of the Imam. Whereas the Sunnah we say is closer to what the Hanafis have done, just making sure that you don't get in front of the Imam. It's got to be an immediate kind of recognition. You can't just wait there and artificial kind of periods of waiting. You've got to follow the Imam in a natural kind of uh, way. Uh, question... Bring it down a bit, uh, Laka. Uh, does reciting an incorrect harakah in Al-Fatiha invalidate it in Salah? Okay, and the answer is according to Shaykh Uthameen, yes. If you were to recite a harakah, if you were to say, for example, an-imta or an-amtu, yeah, alayhim, for example, then this would be an invalidated Salah. It'd need to be recited again. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Yeah, that's for nafal, uh, uh, obligatory for everything. Yeah. So you said that pronouncing the heavy letters wrong is okay. I don't want to say that the heavy letters wrong is okay. No. Yani, you see this concept of lehen jelly, okay, or jelly, it, it does it, and, and then does it not invalidate the prayer? I want you to understand that lehen, the concept of lehen is a very detailed one. There are some scholars that used to, this concept of lehen, some people call it mistakes in the prayer, which is correct. Lahan does mean mistakes, but it means going to a certain level and taking a certain liberty with the qira'ah. That's what it means. Now, taking a liberty with the qira'ah is a massive range. So you have some type of lahan where a person sings. Lahan actually means to sing. Right? So people who recite the Fatiha is like a song. That's completely outrageous. Okay? But then there's a real fine line between some of the recitation, which is melodious, and musical tunes, which we call maqamat. Yeah? The maqam of song. And that's a problematic area, right? Then you've got lahan, which is uh, uh, grammatically incorrect. That's the correct yani, academic understanding of lahan should be. Grammatically incorrect recitation. And that does invalidate. So as long as we're talking the proper lahan, proper in, uh, 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 incorrect recitation, then that is invalidating the uh, salah. Um, what if you heard it because you were, say, entering or making wudu nearby? Do you still need to recite it if you join in after the ameen? You understand that question? Yes, you do, because you're outside the prayer. And the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, yani The prayer is what needs the Fatiha, not you. The prayer needs Fatiha. Okay? So it doesn't matter that you hear the Fatiha outside the prayer. You've got to hear it and be part of it inside the prayer. Okay? Question. Would one recite the Fatiha from wherever the Imam is at? If you think you won't have time to recite the full surah, or would you start a new independent fatiha until the imam moves into the next position? From wherever the imam is at. Meaning like you're in a surah? Of the fatiha? How would that be? Anyway, I don't understand the question, but simply put, 
If you come to the salah and you've missed the Fatiha and you've missed the beginning of it, okay, then you've got to say the beginning part of it if you've got a chance to. That's the point. You can't just come and say, I heard three verses, that's enough. And you don't even make an effort. You've got to recite the Fatiha. You've got to recite the Fatiha. Whether you start then or start in a little while, it doesn't matter. But you've got to get the Fatiha done in its entirety. Yeah, but you, don't, might, you might not have to get it done immediately. You might say, you know, you might arrive. It's a good question. Maybe at, you got Allah Akbar and the Imam saying, Maliki Yawmiddin. Now you've got an option of letting that finish out and then start from the beginning yourself. Or you've got an option of jumping at the beginning and you're kind of ruining everything. So in my opinion, Allahu A'lam, I'd allow the Imam to finish off and then yeah, and get in unless I can do the, the Shafi'i rush. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is it permissible to recite Al-Fatiha in Warsh and the rest of the Salah in Hafsun Asim? This is a good question and the scholars don't allow that. Not because Islamically there's an evidence to prove that it's wrong, but because it comes into playing around with the Qur'an. Okay, it's like just playing around. You've got to kind of keep it, um, you know, you've got to make sure that you don't mess around like that. And I just want to make it clear, by the way, that there is, yani in the Qira'at, and it's not my area at all, okay, Riwayat and Qira'at is a specialist area that I don't have any game in. But there's an argument that Maliki Yawmiddin is actually a riwaya in Hafs as well. Okay, everyone knows it, it's Warsh. Maliki Yawmiddin as opposed to Maliki Yawmiddin, right? Malik means, of course, the owner. And Maliki means the one who is king. King of the Day of Judgment, owner of the Day of Judgment. And of course, these two independent meanings adds to the power of the verse and the, the, the azma, the, the excellence of the verse. We get that. But there's a separate discussion to be had. People lazily, lazily, in my opinion, they fudge over this by saying that's the riwayah of Hafs and that's the riwayah of Warsh and combined when you put the riwayah together, you get that complete meaning. Which is correct, by the way, for many verses in the Quran when you hear this difference in Qira'at. But I want to say that as far as I remember, and like I said, it's not my area, but I think it is authentically narrated in the riwayah of Hafs and Asim that it has Maliki. Completely not? 100%? 100%? Uh, by the way, I have doubt as well. But I remember reading a bahth that it is. Uh huh. Okay. Completely and uh, absolutely. Shatibiyah has it there. Well, there you go, sister said it. Shatibiyah official makes it only as a riwayah of a kasai and? Asim, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so you know what's in my heart? I remember reading a bath from Sheikh Lalbani saying that it is from. Yeah, I think. Yeah, la, la, la. He doesn't mean. You mean like from the Shazda? You know, no, that is not his intention, definitely not. But I think what his intention is, it's either, it's either that, um, it's either something that me and you both don't know and it is from Hafs, which it doesn't look like it, especially Shatibiyah, which is the authoritative text in Qiraat. If that's puts the end of it, then that's the end of it. And then, then, then because I'm positive that I've read that from Sheikh Al-Bani, okay? So therefore, it must mean that he is trying to say that it's authentically narrated from the Prophet Wasallam. Which of course we know it has been. So he'd be right. But instead of clarifying that, but that's not the riwayah of Hafs and Asim, instead of clarifying that, he's just left it as this is Sahih and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and Maliki Yawmiddin. So I think that's what the argument is that he's making. 
that it is authentic, which we know. But the way that he made it, he made it, yani, um, the, uh, the reason I make this point is because of the question. Is it permissible to do warsh in one raka'ah and, uh, and uh, hafs in the other? He said that it's allowed Shaykh al-Albani to do in the same salah, maliki and maliki. Now, you know, everybody who recites Quran knows, you're not allowed to mix qira'at in the same surah. In the same, it's not surah, in the same salah. In the same surah, of course, if you are reciting, yani, uh, that would be lashak. But we're now talking about the salah. But if someone was to ask, what's the evidence yani, that, you, that the salah is invalid? There is no evidence. There is no evidence. I believe, like Sheikh Lalbani said, that if a person in the first raka'ah recited Maliki Yawmiddin and in the second raka'ah Maliki Yawmiddin, if they did that, the prayer is still valid. But the ulama al-Quran and so on, they hate this. Because you don't want people to mix and match and play with the qiraat. They want to protect. Who said that? Ahsan. Ahsan. Because it's all Quran at the end of the day. Tell me the Arabic. هذا يعني تلاعب على القرآن يعني يعني سوء الأدب مع القرآن يعني حتى لو قالوا يعني هذا حرام لكن يعني الحكم بالحرمة أو الحرام تحريم أوكي ما في دليل دليل قاطع there's no evidence to say it is out and out haram to recite one riwayah first rakaa second riwayah another rakaa but I'm saying to you that technically it's possible but just because something's technically possible doesn't mean you do it because it's, yani it's, it's playing around. That's the kind of thing that, for example, we would get, you know, Sheikh Abdul Rashid Sufi comes, we say to him, please recite for us in the first raka'ah, this, second raka'ah, that. Because there's an understanding that, you know, people are not going to hang around, people want to be educated by the qira'at, we get an opportunity to get it done in one go, so go ahead and do it. Right? Everyone knows what's happening, but a person playing around, I don't know. I just want to make it clear that I don't believe it's out and out haram. All right, folks. So, uh, announcements, classes, this, events, anything we need to be saying? Nothing? Anything? Oh, sugar, yeah. Protect his house. Uh, 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 in a couple of weeks in London. Okay, so a couple of weeks. Uh, in two, three weeks, two weeks. Uh, yeah, two weeks on Friday. Protect his house in London. And that's the only not going to come back then. I don't think on site. I don't think it will anyway, because it will go online next year. Okay. So I don't know if that will come back here or not. And in Birmingham the week after. And uh, that's that. And uh, next week, yeah, and lesson is going to be on time, 8.20 Wednesday, but not here in Chido. Uh, What's finalized? Uzbekistan? Oh, Uzbekistan. Yeah, Yasser made that announcement. Uzbekistan. The focus will be a Hadith thing. I'm going to be focusing on the Hadith aspects. And Americans just going to be living it up yeah, on cocktails and stuff. Yeah. And looking... This must be so pretty and pink, yeah? <laughs> and we're going to do some serious hadith on that. But you know what? I think it's really expensive, man. I just want to say. Because they, I, I don't know, but they said, you, when they said to me, you don't want to hear the price, then I have a bad feeling about that. Apparently, apparently the only way you can make it cheap is to go Aeroflow. And you know what? Yeah? You can flip and kill me, yeah? But I'm not going on a bloody Russian Aeroflow class, bro. So then you have to then go by Turkish Airlines and they know that no man's going on Aeroflow. So they're like charging you 10 times that amount saying, okay, we're going to make Zabah of you now. You know what I'm saying? So anyway, but that's miles away. That's miles away, like in June or something.
or April or something, I don't know. TK guys, all right, Zak Malakar Subhanakallah, wa bihamdika shadu wa la ilaha illa antu wa staghfirukallahum wa atubu alaikum wa salamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.